Last April marked the 10th anniversary of the raid on the FLDS YFZ Ranch in Texas. We're going to discuss some things about that next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. In April of 2008, the El Dorado, Texas Sheriff's Office received an anonymous telephone call stating that there was abuse of children taking place on the FLDS polygamous compound. The anonymous caller refused to give her name, but it was discovered later who she was and that it was a prank call. However, the authorities in El Dorado did not know until later that it was a prank call, and because of the nature of the call and for the protection of the alleged victims, the sheriff's office was required by law to respond. Well, during the raid, they discovered that there were about 1,700 people living on the ranch. It was a much higher figure than the 250 to 300 people that the leaders, the FLDS leaders, had originally reported. To start with, let's go back a little bit. I don't know if you remember very much about this yeah, that many I years do ago. Yeah, it was a while ago, but. Now, that that happened in 2008. It was 2003 when they purchased the ranch, and it was 1,691 acres, almost 1,700 acres of property located just out of town of El Dorado. Just five years later, yeah. And they called it the YFZ Ranch and told authorities that it would be used as a private hunting retreat. (laughs) Of course, that wasn't true, and they knew it wasn't true, but then, of course, lying for the Lord is (laughs) second nature with the polygamists. Well, the sheriff wanted to know more about their new neighbors and and landowners of this huge property. So he began to investigate what the FLDS were really all about, and he found out more about Mormon polygamy than he ever wanted to know or probably (laughs) bargained for. Anyway, it's 10 years later now. And the YFC ranch belongs to the state of Texas. It was confiscated because it had been used to commit crimes which rendered the ranch contraband. Obviously, with no upkeep and no caretaking, it sits empty and the buildings are becoming dilapidated. But the residents of El Dorado, Texas and nearby San Angelo, where many of the children and the families have been taken, they have not forgotten that day and the weeks that followed as the horrors and secrets of the FLDS practices began to be made known. The sexual abuse by Warren Jeffs on so many children has left a permanent and negative memory of what religious fanaticism can do to otherwise intelligent adults. (laughs) And we want to quote from the Go San Angelo News. It says, now empty, all that remains is a towering white stone temple and numerous buildings, a majority that were used for housing. The state of Texas seized the property in April 2013 after the church leaders stuck by polygamous sect leader Warren Jeffs answered them nothing order and did not contest the forfeiture. Jeffs is serving life plus 20 years in prison for raping two girls, one age 12, the other 15, he had taken as polygamous brides. Jeffs must serve at least 45 years in prison before being eligible for release, at which time he will be 100 years old. Wow. So it's not likely that he's going to be eligible for anything. 
except for God's judgment. Well, the, the letters YFZ is an acronym for yearning for Zion. And, of course, they have the mistaken idea, just like the LDS Church does, sure. and all polygamists have, that uh, Zion is Mormonism and is God's only true home and only true religion. When stories of the raid hit the national news media, Susan Schmidt and myself made plans to go to El Dorado to see if we could help in any way and to observe the events firsthand. This is a picture of Susan and her book. She's a longtime friend, and she wrote this book, um, A Favorite Wife, Escaping from Polygamy, and it's about her experiences in the LeBaron polygamy group and of being the sixth wife of Verlin LeBaron. Susan and I both came out of polygamist homes, and we were soon invited by the El Dorado locals to share our stories and answer their many questions about Mormon polygamy, Joseph Smith, the abuses in the contemporary polygamy, and the polygamy groups that have invaded our monogamous culture. Now, to put it mildly, the good people in El Dorado were shocked. And when we talked to them, they were shocked to the core, to the hear of the abuses, the law-breaking, the blind eyes that have been turned, and the continuous uh, incubation that the law enforcement agencies give to the illegal practice of these Mormon fundamentalists. They had no idea what was They had going no on. idea. Oh that rumors of the FLDS ranch, and that's all they, they didn't really know the facts that all this was going on with so many tens of thousands of people in the Intermountain West. And were they, they were, were, shocked. were your things well attended? People yes, yes, very much so. Very interested yes, in what we, you were saying. We went to, sure. So we were interviewed by the television, local news station, and just a whole bunch of things went on. They were just in shock. Wow. And they were even shocked at the idea that, that God could have commanded that people live polygamy and that it was part of salvation. That, that really, they, they just reeled with all of this. And, and, and they would ask, they, they'd ask, what does someone do about these things? And I, I'm like a dollar for every time somebody's asked me that question. Well, we and almost every escapee from the polygamous lifestyle commented that this was not a raid when they removed over 437 children, placing them in foster homes outside of the polygamous compound, we could only say it wasn't a raid, it was a rescue. But when a Texas court ordered the children be returned, it was an equivalent to a prison sentence for each of the yeah, ch each child. It was interesting to watch the on-site news cameras as they entered the FLDS compound and filmed the women's responses to their children being removed. There were a lot of handkerchiefs covering a lot of their women's faces as they pretended to be sobbing, but their faces were dry. They were not wet. <laughs> they and the, and the handkerchiefs were not wet. They weren't sobbing real tears. I'm sorry to say this, but it's true. They were reacting precisely as their men told them to do. Now, we do realize that it hurts a mother to have her children removed. But why didn't it hurt them to have their children raped? And there were no males on the compound. They must have all been hiding behind the women's skirts because there was none to be seen. Yet 11 of the men were eventually arrested, tried, convicted, and imprisoned for their various crimes. Some of these children were interviewed by a San Angelo news service Ten years later, these ten years later, and we want to quote from some of their interviews. Until he was about ten, life had been good to Roy Jeffs, the son of Warren Jeffs, president and prophet of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Despite not having TV or toys, 
Among the rules his father put in place after becoming a leader, there was still family structure and big family events. I had a great life, Roy said, adding that it was full of happy memories. Things started to change, he said, once his father began to separate him from the rest of the family and community, a tactic Warren commonly used to punish members he said needed to repent. Roy was first sent away when he was 12, along with his mother and about seven more of Warren's wives. At 14, Roy was sent to a ranch in Wyoming, and this time without his mother, while the rest of his family lived on the YFZ ranch near El Dorado. I didn't have any other kids to grow up with in some of those crucial years, he said, despite having 54 siblings. (laughs) Which is interesting because, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, Warren Jeffs was sending people away all the time. So it wasn't new for them to be sent away. As a punishment, uh, usually? As, well, as a punishment and, and yeah. uh, to repent. So when, when the authorities came in and took the kids off the ranch, they were used to it. I mean, it wasn't as horrible as the public wants to paint it uh, out to be because okay. they were used to that kind of treatment. Oh, interesting. Now, Warren Jeffs, like, like uh, many of the Mormon religious uh, leaders, have mandatory confession. And Jeffs would hear detailed confessions of his congregation. And then he would tell everybody in their meetings that he could read everyone's minds. And, and they believed he could. Well, Roy, the, the one you just read about, said that it wasn't until after he left the FLDS in 2014 that he realized his father could not read minds, that he just knew everything about everybody because everybody confessed everything to him. So we have another quote from the Go San Angelo News. That's so funny. <laughs> the chaos brought by law enforcement's 2008 raid on the YFC ranch, which separated family members, was something Roy was already familiar with. We'd already been put through that kind of situation by my dad, he said. Roy was able to reunite with his family, returning to the ranch in December 08, when all of Warren's family was sent there. By 2010, he was sent to the Short Creek community along with the along the border of Utah and Arizona, and in 2012, he was sent out to work. I was isolated from all the family after that. By the time he left the church, he hadn't been allowed to see or speak with his mother for two years, and now it's been six. The main benefit of the raid was that his father wouldn't be in prison without it, Roy said, referring to the evidence collected and used in his trial, including audio tapes of Warren having sex with several underage girls. So even though the tragedy was they sent the children back, there was some good that came out of the event. He said that the raid definitely opened their eyes to what the world was really like. Now, some of the children discovered that outsiders were people who were kind, <laughs> and they were nice and thoughtful and giving and, and loving people. And they, there was actually peace and happiness outside of the FLDS religion. However, it was traumatizing to some of the children because from the cradle, they're taught that the world outside of their group is out to get them. They are told that most of the people are demon-possessed, and to be safe, they had to stay within the confines of their group safety net. Now, of course, isolation is always a sign yeah. of dangerous cult environment. However, Roy has a brother whose name is Raymond, and he didn't evaluate the raid as positively as Roy did. Quote again. Yeah, he said this, he, he agrees that it was an opportunity to see the outside world, that everybody out there wasn't terrible, he said. It was scary, it was uncertain, Raymond said. We were told the world wanted to kill us, that people wanted to destroy us and our moral values. One of the 437 children removed from the compound 10 years ago, Raymond has since left the church as well. 
Growing up the way we did, we were very protected, Raymond said, adding that they didn't have access to anything outside of the land there and only really knew what we were taught by Father and the people he had telling us. So, obviously, they're brainwashed, yeah, and, and that continues to go on. Historically, <clears throat> we know that Mormon polygamy groups refuse to obey certain of our nation's laws, and they will always do exactly as the leader prophet tells them to do. In his prison cell, Warren Jeffs claimed he had a revelation about the government's unrighteous persecution of the FLDS and their polygamy, and this is part of what he said God said. You know, I read his book, too. You did? Jeffs, or <laughs> That's some a of hard it. one to do. <laughs> and the wording that he uses, and I found that true of this quote that you put this in here, This isn't as too. bad as the Not way his book is. Bad, <laughs> but it's still tough. <laughs> no, I am soon to judge all in government positions of unrighteous persecution against my people to show my will concerning present court persecuting power, which judges now to be of my holy judging upon her and others who have mocked my holy religious and pure holy law of celestial plural marriage in open court. Let all such proceedings cease now. Well, that didn't scare the courts because they just kept on judging and taking it before the court for judgment, I should say. Now, following, of course, in Joseph Smith's tradition, he threatened to bind judgment against those who are against polygamy. And we, we got that all the while we were growing up as well. But I'm happy to say that it is Jesus who is the judge and the Savior and not the Mormon polygamy religious leaders. And God never decreed damnation for disobeying commands of leaders of false religions. Nor did Jesus ever support the practice of plural marriage. After the children were taken into custody, it was discovered that there were 12 confirmed cases of sexual abuse. Two girls that were married at 12 years old, three at 13 years old, two at 14, and five girls at age 15. And don't say Joseph Smith didn't have anything to do with this, because he did. Many of the girls said that no age was too young to get married. Of course, again, that's brainwashing. It is. Now, the courts ordered the children returned, and by June 4th of 2008, less than two months later, all of them were reunited with their families. We have another quote. Only one child was removed again, Marianne Jessup, whom Warren married at age 12. Her case was a major factor in Warren's life sentence. Found in YFC Temple Vault were audio tapes of Warren raping Marianne just weeks after her 12th birthday, as well as Warren having a group sex session with at least a dozen underage girls. Marianne's was the last FLDS abuse case to be resolved, and the court granted guardianship to a cousin no longer living within the FLDS community. However, by August 2009, Marianne had returned to the YFC ranch. And that's the tragedy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Of a thoroughly it's all she knows. Oh. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thoroughly brainwashed young woman, actually. And, and many who criticized the courts for removing the children from the ranch could not have understood that, like we mentioned earlier, that this treatment was normal for them. 
uh, Warren Jeffs habitually separated families, uh, forbidding contact with each other and never giving them a reasonable reason for doing so. We talked about Roy earlier, one of his sons. Uh, he worked in an FLDS construction business. I think he said it was in Des Moines. And he had been away from his family, forbidden to talk with any of them for over two years. Hmm. And he had not been paid for any of his work for several months. He said he felt super alone during that time. Of course he would. Uh, he and would. they're not supposed to be talking to outsiders either. So he's just on his own. It's, it's tragic. Well, Roy continues with his story. Growing up in a culture of always wanting a family, he thought about his own plans and realized, if I finally get married here in the FLDS, I will live in constant fear of my dad taking my family away because he'd done, it, done that to almost every man. As he decided to leave, he said he genuinely believed I would be destroyed because my dad told me that constantly. But a shot at happiness before death outweighed the eternal damnation part. And I know what that means. Because that's what you that's went through. Exactly, too. exactly. And that's what almost everyone who leaves polygamy has that With same that threat model. over their head that mm -hmm. they're going to go to hell and yep. God's going to forsake gonna, them. And, exactly. Oh, so sad. So he did leave. And, and, and after he left, he still believed that his dad was who he said he was. Roy even saw some of the evidence that had, was used against his father in his trial in Texas, but reasoned that it was just fabrication. It was very difficult it's to let go of what you've been brainwashed with all your life. It is hard to let go. Well, I know how hard it was to leave Mormonism itself, and mm -hmm. polygamy Mormonism is layer. just another layer. Yeah. Another, mm -hmm. It's yeah. so tough. It is hard. And, and you've been isolated, too. In Mormonism, at least, in mm -hmm. main Mormonism, we're at least out in the world and seemingly... Somewhat, but you're still in the Mormon world, yeah, especially oh, in sure. Utah. <laughs> but not quite as isolated as... Uh, well, well, Roy's Ligony. belief about his father had a change yeah. when three of his sisters left the FLDS, yeah. and this is why. That belief changed, however, after his three sisters left the church and told Roy about being sexually abused by their father. The kind of pedestal I had him on kind of disintegrated, he said. Roy said he was also sexually abused by his father. This is terrible. But he hadn't thought of it that way until after hearing his sisters talk about their own experiences. All of those years I had thought that was my fault because of the way he did it. And that's the way he would say, yeah. And, and don't would, tell anybody or God would destroy you if you do. That yeah. was the way he did it. And we've always pointed out that abuse is normal in polygamy groups and, and for the FLDS children is so normal they don't even know what's happening to them is illegal or that it is abuse. Of course, as every escapee says afterward, leaving the polygamy groups opens up a whole new world and you enjoy and embrace freedom you never had before. That is something, I'm telling you. You can make your own decisions. You can stop living in fear and of being judged for not living up to somebody else's standards of their special group, especially. Roy experienced that. I was going to ask you, how long did that take you? To get For over, which part? To, to get over, <laughs> to, to feel like I can make my own decisions. Oh, my word. Stop it took, living in fear. It and, took, <laughs> I can't even tell you, a, a decade or more. Oh. Yeah, a long time. It was a gradual thing, too. It wasn't an overnight thing, obviously. No. I just got a little more confident, a little more competent, confident mm. and competent, too. <laughs> praise God you were able to do that. Oh, yeah. I do praise God for it. <laughs> 
You know, Roy experienced uh, the the joy of the freedom, as did his brother Raymond, and as many others who have left polygamy. The F the YFC Ranch raid at least gave the children firsthand knowledge that everyone in the outside world were not hateful, and most of them were loving and kind and not condemning. They also learned that it's okay to play with toys, to play outside instead of work all the time, because Warren Jeffs had not allowed toys or pets. While in protective custody, one report said that some of the five-year-old boys would get up before five o'clock in the morning and get all dressed and then go ask where they were supposed to work that day. Five years old. So they were trained. Mm -hmm. The raid uncovered evidence of widespread sexual abuse, Warren Jeffs and, and others taking teenage girls as plural wives, and it led to the arrest and sexual or an eventual conviction of Jeffs and 11 other men. They were convicted on various charges, including child sexual assault, bigamy, or performing unlawful marriages, and received from as little as six years to as many as 33 years mm. in prison. And of course, Warren Jeffs will be spending the rest of his life in a prison in Texas. Now, at one point, authorities reported that of 53 girls found at the ranch from ages 14 to 17 years old, 31 of them were either pregnant or had given birth. Oh my goodness. That's a lot in that age group. Oh. Since the raid, there have been several books written by XFLDS members exposing to the world details of the, the atrocities and the sexual assaults and, and the mistreatment that the patriarchal FLDS leadership has perpetrated on their members. Although we do hope and pray that they will seek the truth of God and His forgiveness, we are also grateful for the justice that was finally meted out to at least some of those criminals. And finally, ex-FLDS Brenda Nicholson, whom we have quoted on this show yeah. at times in the past, she writes so well, and she writes her thoughts of, of, of what took place in the group in her end of the world, in her part of the story. And she wrote some of her thoughts about the information that was discovered during the YFZ raid. Um, and some of this is, is, is of adult nature, so um, if you don't like that kind of <laughs> listening to, clo close your ears. Close your ears. Huh? And with her permission, we quote what she wrote. In the last few years before we left, Warren started preaching very strongly about how once girls were married, they belonged to their husband, and they shouldn't be talking to their mothers anymore. They especially should never be revealing their husband's secrets of how things were done in his home. Then the raid on the YFZ ranch happened. I listened to the story of how one underage girl was smuggled out under the folded seats of an SUV and praise God that her husband and the prophet were protected from prosecution because the authorities didn't find her. After I left and I started to read the record, the realization dawned on my mind of why Warren was being so strict about that contact. In the record, I, just, I discovered that Warren was telling these young girls that an orgasm was the fullness of the Spirit of God and that they could only experience that in connection with Him, their priesthood head. These girls had no idea how their own bodies work. There is a lot more very disturbing information about their preparation for these orgies that would make you physically ill. Some of these girls wrote confession letters to him asking for forgiveness for their weaknesses in feeling uncomfortable with what he was having them do. It was their very souls crying out that this was wrong, and he was telling them that it was sinful for them to feel against it. 
Can you imagine if your little teenage daughter talked to you and said, Mother, I know that this, is a ho- that this is holy and pure, but I am struggling to feel good about it. I feel so ashamed of my wickedness. Then having them explain to you why they struggle. These girls were groomed to be the perfect victims, and when it came right down to it, no one saved them. It angers me to a level that I can't express, and that is why I will never be quiet about it. And that is why, (laughs) mm -hmm. and that is why we will continue to ask the question, polygamy, what love is this? We won't be quiet about it either. That's why we do what we do. Well, and you've had all those experiences yourself personally, so you know that. And and plus, you've had so many respond to you over the years. And, you know, as people started responding, especially when when we first started doing the show, and I thought, and I I had the the audacity to complain. What I went through was nothing compared to what some of these people went through. And, And as she writes this up here earlier in the letter, she said that they tried to smuggle this young girl out and, and hid her under the folded sheets yeah. in the SUV. And then she's got, and praise God that her husband uh, and they they were, were able protected. to. And so what she's doing is saying they were praising their God that she was successfully right. uh, taken away. Well, you know, that, that makes you wonder what kind of a God it is that, yeah. that they're worshiping having to see the to deceive the authorities and hide away and, uh-huh yeah. yeah and whenever and i do know i do know that in 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 the kingston group and the home i was raised in the environment i was raised that anytime anything went right it was god that made it right for us <laughs> sure. and and if they poached i know they would poach and, and hunt deer out of season fish out of season stuff like that and they got by with it because god was watching over them and protecting them and so they use god as their instrument to break the laws. Well, what would happen if there were similar raids to some of the, maybe we don't have compounds here in Utah, maybe we do, I guess, to some extent in in the south, in southern Utah and so on, but uh, what would happen if we had those kind, same kind of raids? Would well, we? first of all, there'd have to be a reason, yeah. the, because the, they kept their eyes on the ranch in El Dorado, but they couldn't go on the ranch and search and rescue for anything With until that, there was a until reason. That, until that call came in. And right? that call came in, and that gave them a, a legal reason to go in there and do that. But your feeling or sense is, is they would find similar there would atrocities. Have to be a, no, but I mean, with um, or without the authorities going in, but there'd be similar abuses and oh yes in polygamy groups oh yes absolutely especially um well i shouldn't say especially because the all red group could be just as as bad with with uh, incest as as the kingstons are but um they hide the way they marry the young girls off now they hide it and so they do it differently they've, they've gotten a little more uh, they, they use uh, more tricks they hide, yeah more tricks that's a good way to put it but yes there would still be there still would be the atrocities and the abuse. That would probably shock real yeah. sensible people. Yeah, it and, would. Yeah. It would. And it should. It should shock them. I just, you know, I just, the, the general public doesn't have a clue and they say, live and let live, you know, and it can't be all that bad. Let everybody, if man wants to have many wives, let him, you know. That's, and there they suffer. Yeah, yeah. They just don't know the children that are so involved. Well, thank you, Earl. You I sure appreciate so, your... It's sad, yeah. but uh, appreciate the information. <laughs> yeah, I tell you. You know, Aldous Huxley said, facts do not cease to exist because they are ignored. Well, our government authorities seem to think otherwise. And the general public 
doesn't seem to care much about the increasing victims of Mormon-style polygamy. We are advised in the book of Ephesians to, quote, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, end quote. Telling the truth about the behavior of contemporary polygamists is the only way of forcing changes, or they will continue to another 175 years of living out their corrupted doctrine. All Mormon polygamists believe that their ticket to heaven is polygamy. You don't hear that part of it much, but facts are facts. And the fact that God said that Jesus Christ alone is our ticket to heaven is the truth that polygamists too frequently ignore. Thanks for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.